combined with previous experiences. Hello, hello, dear guests. Uh, we have today with us Mr. Michna. Mr. Michna is a psychology professor. He is teaching psychology in Beijing now. And after 15 years of teaching in Bangkok, Thailand. Uh, moreover, he's a talented and gifted martial artist and uh, archer. He trained for archery at a very high level and took part in many competitions. And he's also a writer and author of many distinguished books from which we're going to remind, uh, remember The Matrix. So hello, Mikna. Hi, and thank you for inviting me to be on your podcast. I'm very excited to have this conversation with you, especially that you're there in Canada, in Montreal, and I'm here in Beijing. It's such a great distance between the two of us, but I think this podcast and this interview and this, this dialogue we can have, you know, can bring us together. Yes. Hopefully the, people, hopefully the people who are listening, you know, can also feel maybe more connected or can understand or can learn something from our conversation. That will be a wonderful connection between two continents, between two extremes, day and night, because in between us, there's 12 hour gap. So if it's here morning, there will be night evening in Beijing. Yes, it is evening and it's quite late already, but I'm excited for, uh, for our conversation. Okay, let's start it. So uh, since you are, uh, you are well experienced in martial art and moreover in archery, tell us, and now I understand that you coach archery in Beijing. Yes. 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 So um, how did you discover archery? What brought you to archery at the very beginning? Right, so I've been practicing martial arts all my life, right? I practiced Aikido, Taekwondo, Karate when I was back, back home in Romania. And when I moved to Thailand, I lived, in, I lived in Bangkok for a very long period of time. And as you probably know, distances in Bangkok are very, you know, very large. And it's, the traffic is pretty bad. So for me to get to the archery, uh, for me to get to the uh, Aikido place, to the Aikido dojo, was quite a trek and I was looking for something closer to my home. And I just did an internet search and I ran into an archery club, which was very, very close to my, to my home at that time in Bangkok. And you know, just like that, it was a weekend. I said like, okay, let, let me go and try it out. They had like a free trial. You can go and try for free for like half an hour, an hour. And you know, if you like it, you can continue. And you know, there was just like, a, like a, a, a true connection, like a click between me and archery. And I immediately got into it. I signed up for the club. I looked around to, uh, to buy a, a bow and that's how it started. And that was in 2009. And since then I've been practicing and shooting and participating in uh, competitions. I represented Romania at the um, World Archery Cup, at the Asian Cup, at the Indoor Cup. I shot in Thailand at pretty high levels. 
And since you mentioned coaching, I moved to China two years ago. And here my situation and adjustment to a new culture. And, you know, I focus more on, on coaching rather than training. So I started at my school a course, an archery course. And this is the second year when we're running this course. And so far, um, you know, it's going well. It's going well. And the, the Chinese students are very, are very receptive to archery. Although there are very few, so this year we only have like six students in in the in the class. Last I'm year, I'm sure there will be more. There will be more, and uh, I know archery as a fact is very popular in Asia, notable in Japan. What is it the mindset of an archer when shooting the uh, the arrow? I think yeah, it, it's a it's a very good question. I think I know where you where you want to go with with the question. But I have to make a distinction. The kind of archery that I shoot is Olympic archery. So of the bow that we're building is the, um, the recurve bow with all the accessories. And it's a very technical sport. So you have the Olympic bow, which we see at the Olympics. Then you have the compound bow which is used uh, in uh, the United States for hunting. Think of the Rambo bow, right? Okay. That's the compound okay. bow. Yes. And then you have the traditional bow. And yeah. here you think literally just a piece of wood and a string. And that would be what you, I think, refer to as uh, archery in Japan, Kyudo. So the mindset of an archer in these three different, let's say, disciplines, recurve compound and traditional is very different because in recurve archery you are very technical and you move your body in such a way that you want to repeat the same movement again and again and again in compound archery that. in compound archery the the bow is more advanced so you have a huge scope and you can see closer, it has a higher power, so you can aim longer. While in traditional archery, in Kyudo, in Japanese archery, in Mongolian archery, there's a lot of instinct at work. And I actually, I actually I trained, so when I trained in Bangkok, on the same field, we had a club, the Siam Kyudo club. Siam Kudo Society, which was training there with us. And we were shooting and always focusing, like I want the bullseye, yellow, yellow, yellow. And then we turned around to the uh, Kudo guys and I said like, you missed the target, like you didn't shoot inside the, the bullseye. And he said, that's not the point of Kudo. The idea is to have a connection, they were saying, between the archer, the target, and the arrow. So it's, it's very fluid, very um, kudo, it's very fluid, very instinctual. I tried it out too, and I think my base is in recurve archery, so for me it's quite difficult to shoot um, traditional archery. So the mindset of a recurve archer is, I think, very technical. In yeah. a way, it's quite quick. Just do is the it, same thing. Is it also competitive thinking? True, true. It's, uh, there is, there is a, 
a, a level of comparative thinking. And there's also a bit of strategy because you're shooting by points. So if, if, the, if your uh, competitor shot a bad arrow, you know that you, you have to shoot a, an arrow that is slightly better, not excellent, and you win the game. Yes, yes, yes. While, while in Kyoto, the idea is to, to connect with the target on a more, let's say, spiritual level, which does not exist in a recurve archery, at least not from my own point of view. Is it the, the idea of the bow being an extension of your body, of your mind? Uh, we can find it in both in both disciplines and both branches of i think so yes that is very true that is very true because even in a recurve archery everything that your body does affects the bow the vibration of the bow and then the arrow goes to where you want it to go or you miss the you miss the you miss the bullseye so yes there is there is an archer bow and target connection but I'm repeating myself, in recurve archery, I think it's very technical. In traditional archery, I think it's very instinctual. I see, I understand. And then now you're trained also in Muay, Muay Thai. In, uh... All right, so uh, I'm, I've been training in martial arts for a very long time, right? So I've always practiced some sort of martial arts. My focus long time ago in, in high school was, was Aikido. And when I moved to, to Thailand in 2002, I continued with Aikido, but because I was in Thailand, of course that you are exposed to other martial arts, including the local martial art, which is Muay Thai. So I trained a bit in, um, in Thailand. I trained Muay Thai, but not at a competition level. It was just like for myself and to learn new skills and to learn new techniques. And here in, uh, in Beijing, I used to train with a colleague at our workplace. Now he has just returned from, um, from his quarantine. So we will soon start training again. But it's more, you know, it's not, it's not serious Muay Thai training. If you go to a Muay Thai camp, it's like very like one, two, three, one, two, three, very prescriptive what you have to do. We're more like, you know, testing our abilities and learning new skills and trying to adapt what we know to, mm. to, other, to other martial arts. Nevertheless, yeah, I think you draw experience from this practice, as well as you said that you, you combine with previous experiences. Did this help you to do archery? Um, so in archery, you need a lot of upper body strength, especially shoulder and back, and you need stability on your feet because you need to like stand still. Uh, I guess in a way, like any kind of muscle improvement and muscle strength is helpful in archery, but I would not see a direct connection between Muay Thai and archery, unless if we think they're both martial arts in the sense that they have yes. a martial element if you think but both muay thai and archery right now are sports right so there's rules and there's regulations and there's points 
So maybe the martial element is no longer there today, but as a skill, as a skill to protect yourself, to, to know how to fight, to know how to use your hands, how to, how to protect your family. I think any martial art, including Muay Thai, is very, very relevant. Yes. So uh, coming to this martial arts side, you said you've been, you've been practicing Aikido, then you practice um, even now at a very high level Muay Thai. And also you have a background experience in karate. So all this, what draw you to a conclusion that martial art can also help us to reach a certain level of organization to improve our life and how this can help the new generation even in life. I think, I think it's, a very good, uh, it's a very good point that you're raising because the kind of martial arts that I did 25, 30 years ago is maybe a bit different than what happens today in, uh, in the martial arts world. I think right now it's very commercial and people are trying to make you stay in the gym and pay the fee and bring a friend and maybe the level is less intense. While when we trained, it was like really rough training and it was really strict and it was very hard and you, you hurt and you pained and you got beaten up. I think right now we're a bit more lenient on the discipline side. So I would really I love see. to see I would really love to see maybe a switch back to, to the origin, arts, not just as an activity, but also for mental toughness, for for physical training, for combat training, uh, to build self confidence. And I think good 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 martial arts teachers, good coaches, instill that in their teachers, in their students. But at the same time, I see these like mini martial art farms where they're like a hundred people and they're like doing some random exercise and it's just another activity. You know, sometimes I think these days people, some people take martial arts as another fitness activity. Mm -hmm. Which in your concept is it not? In my concept, I think for physical activity, you can do anything. Martial arts is also good. But I think if you... What is more than that? If you stay long enough with your, with your discipline, with your martial art, I think you can reach a higher level of understanding that martial arts is not only about fitness. It's not only about beating someone up. It's also about learning self-restraint, about learning, you know, to be, to be resilient, to deal with pain, to have confidence. And also you learn humility in martial arts because there yes. will always be someone who's better than you. There's always gonna be someone who's stronger than you. So um, I, I hope that these days, especially for the younger generation, martial arts will become more than just an activity. I understand, I understand. So you're taking it to a spiritual level, the martial art. I think, okay, a spiritual, maybe a more, you know, a more mental and a visionary level. 
like I am 42 years old and I cannot compete in a martial arts event with an 18, 19 year old young man who is like, who's been training for a few years, right? Because yes. he has the strength, he has the speed. He's at the peak of his physical uh, uh, level. But maybe during my martial arts practice, I learn other ways of, you know, maybe winning a fight or, or avoiding a fight or minimizing the damage in a fight, which I think is also very, it's a very important life skill. These are valuable experience from which the young generation, the young martial artists, they can learn and they can use it for better themselves and for improving their skills and their life as well. I see. True, true, true. And but, you, but you tell me a bit of, of your uh, involvement in Tai Chi and Qigong. Because well, as we draw the discussion here, you see Tai Chi, Qigong is not a martial art. And Tai Chi is a martial art, but it's called internal martial art. That means the attention is focused uh, inside what happens and what transforms in our body as we practice. Mm. Moreover, Tai Chi is uh, based on a different principles compared to the other martial art, which we call it external. So everything is achieved not through contraction or of the muscles, through struggle, but through relaxation, mental and physical, through improving the breathing, improving the circulation, improving the functioning of the nervous system, metabolism, so on and so forth. So these are the, the main, the first difference that we encounter when we start the practice of Tai Chi. And, and moreover... I and furthermore, I, uh, yeah. I would like just to bring this aspect. We cannot learn Tai Chi from a book or from watching a video. We have to, to step by step progressively to learn and to experience. If we do not experience inside this transformation, we will feel nothing. We will, that's why in Tai Chi, the first principle from the Taoist is action without action. We see mm -hmm. someone just standing there barely moving and we think they do nothing actually there's a lot of things that the bare eye cannot cannot observe cannot unless we are initiated in this art true true and i think i i see what you're saying in front of my building every morning there is there are chinese people very elderly chinese people practicing tai chi and practicing uh, movement and they're so beautiful and sometimes i think Oh, they're, but they're so slow. And then when I think more about it, it's more than just a slow movement. It's the way they probably feel on the inside, right? Exactly, exactly. The attention, as I said, is drawn inside. And the movement could be considered slow, but there's a lot of movements that happen in the same time. So the rhythm is slow because it, that's a lot of focus, but actually the movement, it's not slow. The movement, it's a, it's a continuous flow. That's what they, and the higher level, they can flow from a movement to another without stopping for quite a long time. <laughs> mm. I, I, I can see that, you know, I, sometimes I, I joined uh, some, you know, Tai Chi practice either in Bangkok or here in the park and the level of flexibility 
that I see in these older Chinese people just makes me like feel like I'm 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 a super beginner. They can bend and they can they can stay in positions that I cannot stand. And I think I'm at the peak of my physical fitness in my 40s. And I can see that there is a lot to learn, not from only one kind of martial art or kind of uh, movement philosophy. You can actually learn from many, many places and from many disciplines. And I'm always open to, to learning new things. And I'm not afraid to say that, okay, in my experience, this is what we would do. Uh, but to be open to what others have to say, I think it's also, it's also a skill, you know? We always have to be open. More, more of that, I have a background in karate. So in the very beginning, I started with karate and then I let it go because it was not what I was looking for. But mm. now and then I still watch karate on YouTube and some other medias. And I see grandmasters of karate moving exactly like we move in Tai Chi. So I think somewhere they are connected, somewhere they find all this uh, spiritual, spiritual side, you know? Yes. And uh, they take their practice to a different level. There's no longer this contraction, this strength, this power that showed, but it's more of a mind concentration and focus on the, the environment, focus on the, our relation with life around us. This is a kind of trying to, to bring us more close to nature, more close to the flow, <laughs> if, I, uh, if I can yep. illustrate this. Uh, so we are part of the nature, we are integrated because what's this, you know, Tai Chi and Taoist uh, concepts, they go together. If we go with what's natural, we may sustain ourselves with a very little energy consumption. But if we oppose the, the nature, the, what's natural, then there will be a lot of struggle with minimum results. <laughs> mm. I think in Aikido, there is a similar concept of do not oppose your, your op opponent, but follow his or her own movement to, to, to take over and, and control rather than attack. Yes, yes. I saw Aikido demonstration. They resemble pretty much with Tai Chi, but Tai Chi, I would say from the first insight, uh, try to use even less movement than Aikido. Mm. To speculate and the timing and the instinct and the reflex of the opponent from the fighting point of view. Tai Chi is much more than fighting because uh, in the beginning it was fighting, but now as we see nowadays, it's more used for wellness, for cultivating ourselves. 